Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined by my good friend Dalton Del Don, and today we're going to provide you with a preview of each Sunday game for week eight. My gosh, we're almost at the halfway point. Well, this would have been the halfway point of the old 16-week fantasy season, but alas, one more to go before we're at the halfway point. Uh, But first, before we start talking, Dalton. How is Chloe? Is she still on a run? Is she? I mean, literally, is she still on a run out there just dusting the competition? So her fifth cross-country meet uh, was a near disaster. They didn't send out a pace (gasps) person this time, so it was like hard to track where to go, and she got confused and got lost at one point, even rolled down a hill, had to backtrack. Still won, but just not as big of a as as usual. So she is five for five, but it was kind of a disaster. She fell at one point, and it was not not ideal, but uh, she fought through it. You know, she's tougher than her dad's. Well, I would, I would love a pace person. By the way, I think our producer, John, would love for me to have a pace person. Someone being like, <laughs> no, move forward, move forward. You're falling down hills right now. Let's get it back on track. Um, what about Pax? What about Pax? So Pax, it, you know what? He took a little bit of a step backwards, but ultimately it ended up okay as well. He struck out at his first at bat. Actually, he was supposed to be at bat three times, but he had to pee so bad that he missed, <laughs> he missed the <laughs> rotation great. the that's first great. time. That's so he ran best, to the bathroom. That's the best part. <laughs> You already win the story. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so we so we missed his first at bat. The second at bat, I think he was rattled from that because he he thought in his brain that he could just be like a camel and like you know yeah. hold it for all, the whole game. At his second at bat, he struck out, but then for his final at bat, he came back, shook it all off, and hit a double line drive down center field and um, felt really good. And that actually advanced enough runners that the team, his team ended up winning. Uh, I think they have now won three in a row. Awesome. Love to hear it. Good stuff. You know what? I, I, I'm semi the winner because I decided to not go to the Niner game and sit through that monsoon, right. horrible weather and another poor performance from my team. So I'll consider that a minor victory in and of itself. Well, Dalton, I mean, our teams, your 49ers and my Bears, play each other this week. And my gosh, I uh, hope we don't spend much time discussing it because I don't want to spend a lot of time watching it. Yeah, I'm with you. But let's start with a game that I think people who were patient with a particular record-breaking tight, a rookie tight end, are excited for. The Carolina Panthers are traveling to Atlanta 
to take on the Falcons. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is the story. Anyone who was patient with him is going to be pretty happy. He's put a, a well over, he's put up well over 100 yards in back-to-back games. Um, you know, I don't think there's a lot here that needs to be said other than where you're ranking Pitts, not just this week, but throughout the rest of the season. And as someone who has been very, very high on him, you were high on him. Matt and I, Carmen and I both concluded he's our top fantasy receiver moving forward rest of season. I think he's averaging the most yards per game among tight ends this year, and we consider it a big disappointment. I mean, it's kind of wild. Atlanta's figured out the passing last few weeks. The air yards have increased. The play action's increased. And Pitts are lining him up like a receiver, you know, um, in the slot and whatnot. So, yeah, I, like I'm in as the number one fantasy tight end moving forward. Kelsey, whether it's being 33 years old, being banged up, or just the defensive attention, I mean, I get it that it's probably – the safe money your life depended on it i get it kelsey but man if you're swinging for the fences uh one guy's career you know is, is going down and the other's shooting skyrocketing up man pitts is gonna he if it's not the rest of this season i'd be surprised if he's not the consensus number one fantasy tight end entering next year amen love all of that i also you convinced me frankly or you helped convince me to be high on pitts i think i had him as my tight end four which isn't tight end one uh, by the way nice Freudian slip that i that I caught you said that he was your number one receiver for the end through the end of the year which is interesting because he is you're right being used as a receiver so yeah uh, we are in lockstep on that we here's what I found interesting when I was looking at ECR her ECR Mike Davis is still being ranked and ECR is expert consensus rankings industry-wide not just within Yahoo is still being ranked as the running back 35 at Yahoo, I am proud to say that all of us, all of the analysts at Yahoo have ranked him outside of the top 40. I just found this nug and I wanted to share it, if I may. I am not I am not the stat nerd that you are. I don't have my own platform for it, but I was proud of this little stat. Mike Davis is seeing a light front that six or fewer defenders in the box 53% of the time and still averaging 3.6 yards per touch. That's the RB59. He averaged two and a half yards per carry, which I know, as you often say, is a noisy stat. But still, when you're facing Miami, 2.5 ain't going to cut it. And when you're seeing a light box over half of the time that you're in the backfield, you need to be doing more than 3.6 yards per entire touch. Yeah, that's not getting it done. And last week, a carry share, 18% Mike Davis, 63% Patterson, who saw all the targets too. Davis is really quietly just getting totally phased out of the backfield there. So yeah, I ranked him by 44th among running backs this week. Um, I, I agree with you. If he's 36 ECR, even with the running back position being so weak, that's simply too high for the amount of volume he's, he's getting. And it, deservingly so, as you say, he's just not getting it done on the field. Let's talk a little bit about Carolina. The implosion continues. Um, you know, there was a moment that Carolina was rumored to be in the mix for Deshaun Watson. That seems to have cooled. But obviously, Sam Darnold isn't cutting it. Robbie Anderson has been given enough chances. And even DJ Moore has cooled off. He has managed 73, exactly 73 yards in back-to-back games. But I don't... Are we really just hoping that CMC comes back? I mean, and then what? I think DJ Moore will continue to be a viable piece, but you would expect that he would be doing more or Robbie Anderson would even be doing more, especially with Terrace Marshall still dealing with that concussion. It's tough with Sam Darnold playing so poorly. Last three games, 4.8 YPA, two touchdowns, five interceptions, a bunch of sacks. 
It's time. I mean, you're rolling it. You're rolling out DJ Moore, and you're hoping Robbie Anderson. I mean, he looks like one of the 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 buy low all these targets, and he's just going nowhere the last two weeks, especially. But Darnold's just playing poorly, and they miss McCaffrey. He's one of those running backs that do matter, you know, as a receiver and whatnot. So, um, yeah, you're starting DJ Moore, but basically, and um, you're starting Hubbard too because he's being treated as as the workhorse there. But otherwise, it's uh, it's frustrating. And Darnold looks so promising from a fantasy perspective because of his running early in the season. But boy, he's regressed, and it looks like. Even freed from Adam Gase, it uh, looks like he might not well, be the future for that team. It's been very discouraging the last month for him. You would imagine that this against Atlanta's uh, defense, people would be more excited or more willing to stream Darnold or any of these pieces, right? They'd get a boost, more Hubbard. But even against Atlanta, like I almost feel like this is an opportunity for the Falcons defense to you know, they're never going to be a lights out squad. They're never going to be an above average squad, but this might be an opportunity for this team to find some real balance and take advantage of the slump that the Panthers are experiencing. Yeah. I know my sit start column. That's where I'll probably go with the Falcons is the pickup, you know, pick them up nice. this week and start them in a lot of leagues available, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, Darnold has reduced two passing touchdowns over three road games, uh, taken 11 sacks in three road games, 4.8 YPA the last three weeks total. I mean, it's Yikes. just, it's, it's ugly. So um, yeah, I mean, again, and again, no McCaffrey. So yeah, I mean, Falcons obviously not a very good real life defense, but um, favorite in this game. And I like him as a sneaky uh, fantasy D this week available everywhere. Nice. I love that little nug. Uh, Let's talk about bad defenses. We mentioned them earlier. Miami is traveling to Buffalo, which does not have a bad defense. The the Bills, by the way, are favored by 14. I think I want to start on the Buffalo side of things. The news, obviously, that Dawson Knox had a surgery on his hand and is out for a number of weeks. I think the initial estimation is, is three weeks that he'll be out. So, Two-part question for you, Dalton. Do you believe in the pride of Boston College, Tommy Sweeney, or do you think that the red zone opportunities that Dawson Knox had been finding are going to go to anyone else in particular? I don't have a strong take on this other than I would say I think there are plenty of sneaky tight end options like Adam Troutman we'll talk about later. Tyler Conklin is available. Tyler Conklin is available everywhere. So I, I actually would... Would, would more veer toward that. I think this is going to benefit the receivers more, including Gabriel Davis. And I'll, I'll let you go yes. continue with the plow because I know you're going to talk about it because I'm with you here. Oh, wow. I love that you're with me because I feel like over the summer, Gabe Davis was one of the like buzziest season, the buzziest off-season sleepers within the industry. And then the minute that they, even even after Emmanuel Sanders was at it, like the take was like, oh, I'm not worried about a 34-year-old. Oh, he's a technician, but doesn't have the touchdown upside that Davis brings. And yet after week one, which by the way, Davis didn't have a bad week one, but like still after week one, the answer was like, oh no, I'm off Davis. I was never into him. I don't know. I, and I was like, you guys are all liars. So I think this is an opportunity for Davis who, here was the stat that I found offered the most consistency between Knox and Davis at the end of last year when John Brown was sidelined Gabe Davis drew seven red zone looks over the last five weeks he put up wide receiver 30 numbers through that time and this year Knox has seven red zone looks on the season he's second in red zone looks only to Stefan Diggs I think there is some I mean maybe that's a little too perfect maybe it's a little too plug and play but when you look at what Gabriel Davis does particularly well. He was a big play threat in college, and he did fit that role last year and has 
gained Josh Allen's trust last year as a rookie. He's faded now because Emmanuel Sanders has been added to the receiving core. But when you look at the matchup and you see Miami, a team that's allowed the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, that's given up 15 receiving scores on the season and the most receptions over 20 yards. Well, hello, the Dolphins are a team that gives up big plays. And we know that Gabe Davis is a big play threat. So to me, this is great alignment. Yeah, I'm with you. Davis is a sleeper wide receiver three this week. The Bills are the highest implied team total this week. They throw the ball even in neutral situations and with the lead. So yeah, Davis is a, is a nice deep sleeper this week. Are you feeling anything about Miles Gaskin? I've seen, I've received a bunch of questions about him, obviously, because Malcolm Brown is not active for this game. And we know that Gaskin can pop in the receiving game. Devontae Parker still not committing as to whether or not he's going to make it onto the field in week eight, still dealing with the soft tissue problems. I am reluctant to like fall in line with Gaskin, but maybe you're a little bit higher on him. It's a horrible matchup. Bill's second view is fantasy points to running backs, but I still ranked him right around the 30th running back because A, the position, you know, it's tough to fill out there. And and without Malcolm Brown, I just expect some increased uh, touches. But you're starting him in the flex if you need to. But yeah, in this matchup, you aren't feeling super confident about it. I mean, Miami's offensive line is a real problem. I I do like the way Tua's playing, though. He's thrown a couple of real bad interceptions, but he's countered that with, um, depending on your scoring format, he was either the first, second, or third fantasy QB last week, and the volume's been there. Obviously, this is not a great matchup against Buffalo, but but Tua Tua is moving the ball. You know they're moving the ball. I, I'm not ready to write him off. I'm kind of kind of interested in him moving forward. Okay, let's talk about our home matchup, if you will, the 49ers traveling to Soldier Field. Um, I, I will say this, Dalton. In a way, I am cheering for your 49ers because even though we would both probably prefer to see Trey Lance on the field, I mean, how exciting to have Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. It's probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. At least that's what all of the reports seem to be trending towards. And Jimmy Garoppolo went to my rival high school. He's going to go back home, be cheered on by the rest of the Garoppolo gang. I know some of them. We have we know people in common. So I am actually rooting for the 49ers because I feel like that'll be one dagger added to the coffin of Matt Nagy's career in Chicago. So So there you go. Forgot about the homecoming, Jimmy G. That's totally correct. And yeah, I fully expect him to uh, to get the start in this game. Who knows if it would have been Lance had he not been missing practice with his knee injury, but he has returned and it looks like he may get in some plays in this game. Debo, assuming his cap is okay, you're rolling with him. He's just been amazing about the only thing that's gone right for the 49ers this season, just a disaster season. Hopefully Trent Williams can return from his ankle injury. And Khalil Herbert... Um, the Bears, not a lot's gone right for them, but uh, what a, a lone bright spot there. Running for 100 yards against the Tampa Bay defense last week that was uh, it's allowing an average of 51 rushing yards to running backs. I mean, highly impressive, even with a poor game script. So um, Niners aren't the easiest team to run against, but Herbert, you're starting. I mean, he looks he looks great. I agree with you. I think uh, we're all, we all, if you have not yet, certainly have by now, I hope, drop Trey Sermon. That one stings a oh. little bit if you're talking about like buzzy summer plays. I really, really did like Sermon a lot, but Elijah Mitchell is clearly the guy. He went over 100 yards last week, and there are a lot of key injuries on the Bears defense. So it would not surprise nice. me to see the 49ers cover the four point spread on this one as well. Sermon did not play a, a snap last week. It's it's crazy. No. And Mitchell, who looked so good on that first drive, I expect him to get the full time. And you're right, Akeem Hicks. Uh, that the rush defense has been significantly worse uh, if he does miss another game here. And then Khalil Mack is out as well. But um, man, yeah. Uh, and then 
And then I kind of like the Niners D as a top start this week, too. I know it's not hasn't all been Justin Fields' fault, but his sack rate has just been the highest in football by a mile since he's taken over. They have three passing touchdowns this season. Is that real? I heard that said. I believe that is the case. So that's not exactly ideal. They're getting the fewest yards per play in the NFL, too. So the Niners, maybe they take their frustrations out on this uh, the Bears team this week. I could see it. Well, enjoy, Jimmy G. I'll be cheering you on. The Pittsburgh Steelers are traveling to Cleveland to take on their division rival Browns. So the good news for the Browns, I guess, is that Baker Mayfield is looking like he's going to play on Sunday. He's obviously been dealing with that shoulder injury for the bulk of the season. I'm a little bit surprised, frankly, that they'd roll out Mayfield, especially given the Steelers front like the defensive front and it, that seems like a, a recipe like especially when we have like these two teams playing each other this black and blue football in this particular division how physical things get and there's a known vulnerability at the quarterback position I'll, seems a little bit um, short-sighted but obviously the Browns are all in and Baker wants to take the field and along with Baker Mayfield Jarvis Landry uh, was back at practice there was some concern earlier in the week that that knee issue was going to be too much and he might not be able to suit up but it looks like he is trending towards finding his way onto the field which I think is great like I think Jarvis Landry is going to be like the PPR play I almost think he'd be fine with Case Keenum because Case Keenum's going to want to check down a lot to this security blanket and Landry is so, his hand are so damn good and efficient that he'd be a fine play regardless um is there anyone on the Cleveland side oh we should also mention Nick Chubb is coming back as well so as much as we enjoyed seeing Dearness Johnson blow up on primetime last Thursday it does appear as though he's gonna have to take a back seat to Chubb though Kareem Hunt obviously remains out and if we're talking about Jarvis Landry all of the opportunities that Hunt had gotten through the air while Landry was out will return to the slot receiver I share your concern about rushing back Baker Mayfield with a torn labrum on that left arm against a, a, a rested Pittsburgh defense coming off a bye. There's some injuries along Cleveland's offensive line. So that wouldn't be ideal, especially when you have a perfectly capable replacement in Case Keenum. So either way, whomever starts at quarterback for Cleveland, you're not overly confident starting anyone in this passing attack. But Nick Chubb, hopefully he's back playing. Obviously, you are starting him with confidence. And if he misses another game, even in a tough matchup, you're, you're rolling with Dearness Johnson of just how impressive he was in that replacement. Man, they do a great job of drafting uh, running backs there in, in Cleveland. But um, yeah, uh, so uh, Nick Chubb is the guy that you want to pay most attention to and make sure that he's you know back, back healthy and playing this week. Pittsburgh side of things, uh, Deontay Johnson will obviously back. Chase Claypool is looking like he's going to be on the field. We obviously know there's no Juju. Eric Ebron, who, by the way, is only seeing like two to three targets per game, but still they have to go somewhere, um, is dealing with a hamstring issue. It doesn't look like he's going to suit up. This means, obviously, that Pat Fryermuth, the rookie out of Penn State, would have an elevated role. Cleveland has only given up three touchdowns to the tight end position, two in week one to Travis Kelsey, and then one to Donald Parham back in week five. But they also haven't really played a murderer's row of tight ends, so... I, I don't know. Like, Fryermuth is one of those players that, like, I don't like the volume, but we've seen him win at the in the red area of the field. And I don't know if Claypool isn't feeling too well. There might be an opportunity for him. I think I have him ranked, like, in my tight end 20-ish range, though. 
And Cleveland's allowed the six fewest fantasy points to running backs and the fourth most to quarterbacks. So you could call them kind of a pass funnel defense. It's tough to run sure. against. So, um, and I, you boost Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson and Claypool with Juju going down. So, yeah, and probably and Najee, you're fine with because he'll just see a ton of targets too. But I like Fryermuth as another uh, sleeper tight end this week too. All right. The Eagles are traveling to Detroit. Well, this will be one heck of a game. My goodness. Um, Big news, obviously, is that Miles Sanders is expected out for quite a, not, I don't want to say quite a bit of time, but he's expected out for an extended amount of time with the ankle injury. Uh, He sustained that, obviously, in the first half of last, last week's game, I believe on his seventh offensive touch, which was just uh, painful because he hadn't really had seven offensive touches in the first half up until that point of the season. So Kenny Gainwell is probably like the chalkiest start of this week's slate. Wouldn't you agree? $17 in our daily game. Yeah, such a good matchup. I know Boston Scott will probably end up frustrating uh, people, but um, yeah, the uh, the setup is nice and, and game balls. He's looked good too. And um, so yeah, he, at, at that price, it's hard to argue. Also worth noting though, that like the Eagles for a team that doesn't want to run the ball, they sure as heck don't have a lot of confidence in the rookie running back that they drafted who did score last week because there are also rumors that Jordan Jordan Howard is going to be activated onto the onto the team. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe they're just looking for depth. But if you're only letting your running back like carry the ball five times a game, why do you need this many these many bodies in the backfield? Yeah, you hope Game Ball is active as a receiver, and it's such a good uh, inviting matchup indoors. Um, but yeah, and Devonta Smith, one of these weeks, is going to break out too with all those air yards. Keep waiting for it to happen. This is as good as week of any for it too with that matchup. But um, fantasy managers keep impatiently waiting for it though, because you know the numbers point to a future explosion, but it just hasn't been there with Hurts, my guy, who's gotten something like forty-five percent of his fantasy points in the fourth quarters of games this year. Definitely a better fantasy player than real life QB for Philadelphia, but uh, he's definitely getting it done for the fantasy fantasy guys it's interesting point that you bring up because the eagles are only favored by three and a half which is saying something about your squad when you're playing the lions and by the way the lions have allowed 12 touchdowns to the running back position six on the ground and six through the air we know that gainwell can be used as a receiver so i think that boosts his opportunities um and the point you're making about devonta smith i mean woefully inefficient not all his fault obviously he is averaging to put that into context 7.4 targets per game but only 4.6 catches per game that's a catch rate of 61 and a half percent wide receiver 64 for that statistical category you'd like to see him do this against the Lions and again when I'm mentioning a spread of three and a half like this should be close which means this should be the opportunity in which Devonta Smith is able to convert on all of those air yards Eagles have been a tough team to figure out. I thought Lane Johnson returning, they were kind of going to dominate the Raiders line of scrimmage last week. And instead they got whooped, but um, yeah, they've been disappointing and I'm still starting Smith. I think this is a week he does break out, but he's definitely be, definitely been frustrating. And then Goddard too. I think he's a top five-ish type fantasy tight end uh, sure. moving forward, but with Ertz gone there. So definitely starting him. And then conversely, man, DeAndre Swift, on pace for more than 100 catches is getting it done in PPR week in, week out, regardless of matchup. In fact, you almost like it when they're big underdogs when he gets all these targets because there's just no receivers there. I mean, Khalif Raymond is their number one there, and, and Hawkinson remains banged up. So Swift has just been really getting it done in PPR. The other running back, Jamal Williams, he's had a bit of a hip issue. This week he popped up on the injury report with a thigh problem, but 
I think it's impressive that Williams, I mean, <laughs> we want to say a whole lot about Anthony Lynn, particularly over his time with the Chargers. But the good thing for anyone who decided to roster Williams is that even in negative game script and a shared backfield in theory, Williams is still seeing double digit carries on nearly a weekly basis, which I, I find it wildly surprising. He's banged up. He's got to share the backfield. They're never in positive game script. And he's still seeing like 10 to 12 carries per week. It's fantastic. And obviously the matchup against the Eagles is pretty good. They're allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing running backs. So I think, you know, here's a question for you. Would you rather start Jamal Williams or would you rather start Miles Gaskin? Oh boy. I have them ranked very, very closely. I would lean Gaskin with, with Brown gone and the unknown and Williams a little banged up and he's been getting slightly phased out. But I hear you though, with Campbell continuing to just wanting to pound the football and Goff and, and Raymond, um, they probably will just still give him another dozen touches, but I would lean Gaskin between those two. All right. Tennessee at Indianapolis. This is projected to be a fairly high scoring game. Surprisingly, the Colts are only one and a half point underdogs. Tennessee still can't get Julio Jones on the field, though. He's still not practicing. On the other side of things, T.Y. Hilton does look like he is going to start on Sunday. I think he almost started last week after aggravating that quad injury. But another body for uh, Carson Wentz, who, if we're talking about getting healthy, has certainly looked healthier over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, Wentz has looked fantastic. He's playing so much better. Um the T.Y. The Hilton helps the Colts, but it would uh, kind of be a hit for Michael Pittman's fantasy value, who looks like a possible top 20 wide receiver with Wentz playing well without Hilton. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's good news for the offense as a whole with uh, Quentin Nelson back and Jonathan Taylor. I know his, his usage has been very frustrating, but at least he leads everyone in, in red zone touches. They're giving all the ball in, inside the 10 quite a bit. So uh, his schedule, as some would project, is the most favorable among all running backs down the stretch too. So Taylor could go crazy down here over the second half of the season. I wouldn't mind that one bit. I do want to mention when you talk about Michael Pittman on Eckler's Edge this week, we played a little game of fantasy trick or treat. And I mentioned Michael Pittman to Austin because the volume with T.Y. Hilton coming back, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, what was that? Two weeks ago, I believe Pittman's target total took a massive hit with Hilton back on the field. But I do think the exception is that in a game like this, that is expected to go at least to 50 points, and we know it's a division rivalry. Like, I, I feel like there might be enough back and forth to mitigate any concerns about Pittman's volume because the overall volume will make up for it. Oh, yeah. Tennessee's allowed literally the most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm firing up Pittman regardless of Hilton's status this week, for sure. Top 20? Top 20? Yep, Pride yep. I have him. Yeah. yeah I, I have him ranked as my 19th receiver this week. Yeah, Pittman. Yeah. Okay. Same, same. I agree with you. I think I have him as wide receiver 18. So we're on the same page there. The Bengals are um, at East Rutherford playing the Jets this week. Let's start with the Jets because I think the biggest news is Mike White playing in the stead of Zach Wilson. Joe Flacco <laughs> was traded to the Jets, though he isn't even expected to be at the facility until today, Friday, when you're listening to this. So it does look like Mike White is going to get the start. Yikes, Corey Davis, that really tanks uh, any sort of value that Corey Davis has managed. He was already a kind of a fringy wide receiver three with Wilson under center. Now he's got Mike White plus this hip injury. He pops up on the injury report on Thursday, limited in practice. So is there a silver lining for the Jets from a fantasy POV? 
So Cincinnati's the only team in the league that's top five, both in yards per play on offense and yards per play against on defense. They're the real deal, man. They're getting it done. I will say this is looks like something of an obvious trap game, though, coming off the awesome win last week against the Ravens. It's their third straight road game. And who's going to get excited to face this, this, this Jets team starting Magic Mike White at quarterback? Um, one silver lining, I will say, is Carter. He kept dumping it off yeah. to Carter uh, last week after Wilson went down. And, you know, Wilson, you know, obviously the upside is there more potential long-term, but one week he's more turnover-prone than White. So I'm curious to see how this offense does more structured. And, um, you know, they've, they, this is a team that did beat the Titans earlier this year at home and has not been, you know, completely, uh, it's been relatively competitive over the last few games other than the, the game against the, the Patriots in which they lost their quarterback mid-game. So I wouldn't be shocked if this is closer than many, antici- many anticipate just given the, 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 the scheduling. But boy, Cincinnati looks really, really, really impressive. Like, like they can make a deep, deep run in the playoffs. And then I know everyone's saying it, but I'll just hammer it home. T. Higgins looks like an obvious buy low guy. Just seeing all the targets without the production. So, and this is obviously a, a nice looking matchup against a Jets team yet to record a single interception this season. I think I said yes in my mind to all of your points numerous times. I want to just take it back to Michael Carter. I'm very high on him. I've been high on him since the top of the season. I just really am impressed how a rookie who did earn a lot of summer buzz, off-season buzz, has managed to take over the number one spot, especially when you consider the connective tissue that Tevin Coleman, and I know people are going to roll their eyes like, oh, Tevin Coleman, but like he has experience with LaFleur at numerous stops, and you'd think they brought the vet in for a reason, and yet Michael Carter earned that job like in a week or two, number one, and they're finding ways to keep him involved, whether it's on the ground. He has had five red zone touches over his last three games, or as you mentioned through the air, Mike White's (laughs) with that offensive line, like he's going to check down and find Carter through the air. He's obviously an incredible pass catcher. Coleman, by the way, I just mentioned, he's probably not going to play again this week because he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Ty Johnson, who was concussed last week, did manage to clear protocol rather quickly. So he'll be out there, and that might affect, I suppose, uh, Michael Carter's target volume. However, in a situation we're anticipating that the Jets are chasing points. He should just be fine. So I agree with that silver lining. Here's what I have to say about the Bengals. Love every single one of your points. Was rather proud of myself, if I may say, uh, for hitting on CJ Uzuma last week. I'm getting all of these questions because he did find his way both onto FFL and in my sleepers article. A lot of questions about him for this week. And You know, when you say the bit about a trap game, I have to pause because my answer has really been, I don't think that the Bengals, even though they like to throw the ball regardless, like there's no hitting the break for this, uh, for this team, for this offense. I don't know that Joe Burrow is going to need to use Uzuma, especially when you see T Higgins getting the volume that he's getting, especially when Jamar Chase continues to like rip off 80 yard touchdowns, especially when you've got. Joe Mixon healthy. And frankly, when you've got Samaj, I think if there's a sleeper in this Bengal squad, it's not CJ Uzuma this week. It's Samaj Pirine because there should be enough opportunity here for both of these running backs to eat. And Pirine, since Mixon injured his ankle and Pirine, with the exception of him being um, on the COVID list that week, he has been very much involved. And I have to imagine it's partially because they want to keep Mixon, who's dealt with durability issues through the bulk of his, his career, fresh. 
And when I say trap game, I'm more concerned of someone considering them in Survivor. I mean, you're firing up your Got fantasy it. guys with confidence. I mean, Joe Mixon against the Jets have allowed the most fantasy points to running backs this year. And P. Ryan's an absolute flex option in this matchup for sure. And yeah, Uzuma, um, I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but it came with just three targets last week. And he scored the week before the awesome production the last couple weeks. But banking on that again, moving forward. Um, yeah, I don't have him as a top 15 tight end this week. I like some other sleepers just projected for more, more volume. But Michael Carter, just to circle yep. back real quick, that hope they don't um you know hurt uh, knack him for his he had a lost fumble but um nick him for that uh with with playing time this week because he had not seen more than three targets in any game with zach wilson he saw a nine last week after mike white took over so or or at least afterwards so i do like him as a top 25 type guy I actually have him ranked yes. right right with kenneth Gay- gainwell around there this week so I, I like carter this week he's my rb25 so we're well, i love when we agree dalton it's so nice i hope there's not a trap game though at least I, I hope that uh, all of my all of my analysis and projections are betting on the Bengals winning pretty handily in this one. Bur- Burrow um, leads AFC and YPA. So, sorry, he's awesome. The, the Bengals are legit, man. Bengals are legit. I, maybe I'm just sure. using too much anecdotal stuff and worrying about the third straight home game coming off the dominant win. And I just think the Jets, I don't know, they're not as bad as everyone thinks. But it, who knows? It'll probably be a, a total blowout. The, the Bengals are one of the best teams in football. Don't get, I really do believe that. I do hope they give the Bengals some fight, though. I mean, when you hear about, like, Salah, like, throwing things and getting angry and losing his cool, like, you have to imagine then that the team is going to go back to the playbook and try to design, like, a get-up game, as Charles Robinson would say. Like, this has got to be a get-up game for the Jets to kind of, like, rally the troops, if you will, before the second half of the season. Um, but but we, we shall see. Regardless, we're all in love with the Bengals. I think each of these players is going to take their turns being the hero or the star of the week, although you can always count on Jamar Chase to to do something special. The Rams, oh my gosh, if you want to talk about blowouts, yikes. The Rams are 14 and a half point favorites over the Texans who will be playing at home in Houston. I guess the big news from the Houston side of things, although like with Deshaun Watson, there's always some rumors popping off in in Houston. But the big one is obviously that Mark Ingram is now going back to New Orleans and the backfield now in Houston should be shared between Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. Interestingly, like I read two blurbs that came out within four minutes of one another, and one said that David Johnson was to be, quote, featured. And then the second one came out, again, four minutes later, that said Philip Lindsay's load is expected to, quote, increase. And I was like, well, okay. (laughs) That, That all makes a lot of sense. When you look at the numbers, David Johnson is actually leading and has led this backfield in snaps. Obviously, game script hasn't really like helped them, so that's not saying a whole lot. Um, Lindsay was behind Ingram in snaps, and Johnson is averaging. We know that he can work as a receiver. In fact, I'd say that's probably what he does best. He's averaging about three and a half targets per game. Meanwhile, Lindsay has only had four targets on the whole season, so I am going to lean, I suppose, on David Johnson, but I don't really want to lean on this backfield at all. Yeah, I moved. I need to move David Johnson up to a flex option now. Lindsey's just never been used as a receiver throughout his career. So because of the running back landscape being so weak now, sure, with the volume, he's he's an option. Um, I'm most interested in this game is if Tyrod Taylor plays because Brandon Cooks is getting so many opportunities in the first two weeks. Actually, only the first six quarters with Taylor 
he was getting it done. You know, he had over 200 yards and a touchdown the first two weeks. So um, with the volume and hopefully improved quarterback play, looking for Taylor return and hopefully help Cooks. But yeah, the backfield now in Houston is at least interesting in deeper fantasy leagues because it's it's a little bit more consolidated, uh, you know, with, with Ingram gone. I got to tell you, Dalton, I am terrified for Tyrod to come back for this game. The only thing I yeah, am thinking about... <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking of Aaron Donald and how brittle Taylor has been throughout his career. And I don't want him to get aggro. I don't want any of his injuries to be aggravated. I don't want him to sustain a new injury, which is completely possible. And when I'm thinking of Brandon Cooks, all I can think about is Jalen Ramsey making a mm-hmm. special play and picking off in poetic fashion Jared Goff at the end of last week's game. So like... Well, I don't know who the Texans, I, by the way, I don't have the Texans schedule memorized. Forgive me. I don't know who they have next week, but I would suggest that Tyrod Taylor sits this one out. That's a garbage time special though. If Taylor plays, it's capable enough in the second half playing some oh, defenses. You said a 14 point game spread. So yeah, uh, I hear you. Obviously the, the matchup isn't ideal with the Rams and Houston isn't going to be projected to score many points either. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's not great, but, um, uh, Taylor's better than Davis Mills is what I'm saying. But yeah, if he's not ready, then then that's a whole nother story. Yeah, the Texans have the Dolphins next week. We've already like beat up on the Dolphins along with all the other offenses. Uh, um, but so I, if I were if I were Taylor, I, I would wait until uh, dealing with Fair. Miami and avoid Aaron Donald at all costs. But we'll see what happens. You're right. There is an opportunity for garbage time. And that's certainly something that we saw happen at the beginning of the season. Let's give the Rams a little bit of... A little bit of love because they certainly deserve it, though we all know the story here. I will only say that Daryl Henderson is $23 in our daily game, and he is my start of the week. I love his potential in this one. 100%. It was a total fluke last week coming off a bad game, so maybe uh, DFS players will be off him, but he's being treated like a true, true feature back by the Rams. And yeah, 14-point favorites. Love him. I've, yeah, he's a borderline top five fantasy start yep. this week, so at that salary, no-brainer. By the dip. All right. New England is traveling to SoFi to take on the Chargers who are coming off of their bye. The last time these two teams met, the Patriots shut out the Chargers 45-0. to uh, Obviously, the Chargers have had a, a minute to think about how they want to approach this game. Um, when we talk about Bill Belichick and the Patriots, however, we obviously always think about the number one option, the opposing team's number one option that he likes to take away. I asked Austin who he thought that would be, and he said uh, that he thought it would be Keenan Allen. So I have to imagine that that would open things up for Mike Williams, who's had a week to rest that knee back at practice. He's $29, by the way, in our daily game. Keenan Allen is $23. Um, Or even Austin Eckler, who we know can do all the things on the ground or through the air. Interesting. It looks like Mike Williams has surpassed Keenan Allen to me. Has uh, Keenan Allen just one touchdown in the year? Hasn't surpassed 75 yards since week two. Um, he's a nice PPR player, but yeah, if I were Belichick, I'd be trying to stop Mike Williams or Austin himself. And conversely, this is a run funnel chargers defense, arguably the worst run defense in football. So fire up Damian Harris with confidence, uh, despite the goal line fumbles, he's still getting a ton of work down there and he's even seeding touchdowns to Bolden and JJ Taylor. But, um, you, you gotta, you gotta start Damian Harris with confidence in this matchup. Brandon Bolden, I will all just also to that point, um, add that he does seem to be the pass catching running back in this offense obviously has familiarity with Belichick and the offense so it makes sense that he's being that he's sliding into that role he's had at least four targets 
since week three, except for week six when they played Dallas, but he's coming off of a seven-target game. The Chargers are, as you mentioned, better through the air than they are on the ground. They've allowed 975 rushing yards on the season. That's the second most rushing yards that a defense has given up of any team in the NFL to this point. So uh, I think you're right. Damian Harris is great. And Brandon Bolden could definitely um, see some opportunities as well. Yeah, Chargers in DVOA, pass defense, fifth, and literally dead last in rush, 32nd. Trevor Lawrence will be traveling across the country, like diagonally across the country to (laughs) Seattle. Oh, gosh, this game... This game sounded a lot more interesting when, well, all of the Seahawks games, I guess, sounded a lot more interesting when we thought Russell Wilson was going to be under center. Um, Surprisingly, the Seahawks are only favored by three and a half points. And I think that's largely because Trevor Lawrence has been playing a lot better. It looks like the speed of the game has slowed down for him some. His processing is better. He's been relatively mistake-free. I think he's only had one interception over his last three games. He's coming off of a 300-plus yard passing a passing effort and I actually have him leading my sleepers piece this week if somebody is looking to stream at the quarterback position yeah Seattle's allowing a ton of yards this year um, nearly 100 uh, quarterback or passer rating against uh, don't hate the call um, I like Marvin Jones I like Dan Arnold is one of my sleeper tight ends yes. this week as I mentioned definitely seeing the targets uh, I think a touchdown is, is he's due for one and I hope Chanel sees more targets uh, coming out of the bye but um, but yeah that hasn't been always a guaranteed thing you know I almost featured Chenault in my sleepers piece because obviously since DJ Chark has been lost for the season. You've expected Chenault to like see a boost, but then Urban Meyer's got a Urban Meyer and have some like Agnew stuff being folded in. And I think that's always going to frustrate anyone who really believes in Chenault, especially when you're expecting him to get elevated usage by a college coach who could do sort of the same things that we saw Chenault do in college. And yet it's not happening I think also, like, the other reason I was kind of cool on Chenault, and listen, I have him, like, as a flex option. It's fine. But I'm not, like, willing to stick my flag in the ground is because of Dan Arnold, as you're mentioning. I mean, it's not just the fact that Arnold has gotten eight targets in week five and then five targets in week six, but he's also running routes. He's, like, running over 25 routes per game over his last two games. And he seems to be the security blanket that we hear about young signal callers really seeking out. Yeah, no, he's running the routes, getting the targets. They traded for him for a reason. So yeah, Chenault, there's not a there's not a, a ton of volume there. The team's not going to score enough points to have a, a, a bunch of upside. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, anyone you like there in Seattle, can you make any sense of the backfield for me? I mean, I want to like Rashad no. Penny. I mean, at least he's back playing, but it seems like a pretty pretty tough situation there. Geno Smith and D- DK Metcalf, thankfully, had an 84-yard touchdown catch because he didn't do much else was. Yeah, we'd like to see that early, early in the game last week um, and got a check mark felt good about that. I mean, the Jacksonville defense can probably give up enough that this is interesting, but I would say if I'm going to highlight anyone in Seattle, we've been talking about sleeper tight ends throughout this episode, right? We just talked about Dan Arnold. We mentioned Pat Fryermuth and Tommy Sweeney at the top of the show. I like Gerald Everett. I will fully admit that (laughs) the change from Los Angeles to Seattle has not gone according to plan, like ending up on the COVID list for two weeks was certainly not uh, optimal for his re for being reunited with Shane Waldron, but I like his opportunities this week. Will Disley is 
logging more snaps than Everett, but that's because Everett is the pass catching option. He's not the blocking option. Um, he, I like the matchup this week. The Jags are really, really bad over the middle. They're allowing the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends. And I just have to imagine that Shane Waldron is going to be desperate to figure something out. I mean, obviously the Seahawks are really leaning on the run and that's also not helping Everett's volume, but this seems like such a layup, particularly when you think about the relationship that Waldron and Everett have had and Everett's back to health now, that this should be one of those, like, I I don't know, maybe he sees five targets, four targets, he catches three balls for 34 yards and a touchdown, but I do think he finds the end zone. And in a week where you don't have Darren Waller, and you don't have Mark Andrews, maybe that's something. Yep, I have him as a top 15 guy, like the matchup, the running back injuries. Freddie Swain's seen too many targets there in Seattle. I would, I would, yeah, direct it more to Everett. I like him, too, with you. All right, uh, the Washington football team is traveling to Mile High Stadium. The big news, obviously, Jerry Judy is back. Anyone who has kept him stashed for seven weeks, I guess uh, eight now, <laughs> must be pretty happy because he is expected to be on the field and active. The question, obviously, is how much rust he'll have. I'm not too worried about it. I know Teddy didn't look great last week, but that was a Thursday game, and I don't think Teddy was maybe quite ready coming off of the injury from the week before to play, uh, particularly on primetime. So I think now that he's been rested, he's had 10 days of rest, we know that Jerry Judy's skill set aligns really well with what Bridgewater does, that this should be a pretty good marriage. And I think that I am comfortably ranking Judy in that wide receiver 30 to maybe even wide receiver 25, depending on how excited I get between now and Sunday. Yep, same here. He was looking so good before going down. Uh, Washington has allowed the most passing touchdowns this season, second most fantasy points to wide receivers, second most targets to wide receivers. So, yeah, assuming he's... Uh, close to 100%. Um, yeah, the upside is is maybe not quite there coming off the injury. And now Cortland Sutton proving him, you know, himself is fully recovering his knee surgery. But uh, absolutely is a wide receiver three right away for Judy. Uh, Antonio Gibson continues to struggle with this shin injury on the football team side of things. But we saw him on the field. Maybe not effective. Maybe it would be, you know, better for him just to sit and get healthy. But that's not my call or Dalton's call to make. He does seem to be active. J.D. McKissick. Still managed flex numbers last week. He didn't pop as much as I had hoped he would, but it's the same guys in Washington that you've been starting that you're going to continue to start. Even if RSJ is banged up, he's still going to see the field. Even if Terry McLaurin isn't 100%, he's still going to see the field. And there's no way that you're sit- you're certainly not sitting Terry McLaurin. Yeah, the only one I'm excited about is McLaurin. Unfortunately, I liked Gibson entering the year, but it just hasn't gone as planned. And now he's playing through this injury. I mean, you got to start him in the running back landscape now, but you don't love it with him getting no targets. And I mean, he might have a hairline fracture he's playing through in his shin. So it's not ideal. All right, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Um, I mentioned earlier that Mark Ingram was no longer in Houston. He is being reunited with his old squad, the Saints, and he is expected to, quote, absolutely, per Sean Payton, play on Sunday against the Bucs. We don't love the matchup, but it is interesting to see these division rivals kind of do everything they can. Like, Sean Payton is like, I got to do everything I can. Like, the rumors are obviously they want to use Alvin Kamara more as a receiver, He's been averaging 19 carries per game. That's the running back three. So Ingram would now, because Tony Jones has been banged up, uh, Ingram would now kind of take on that 
that rushing role more and open things up for Kamara in the passing game. I like Ingram a bit more as a, a stash in case Kamara gets hurt and he'd have much more upside there, especially uh, in a matchup against Tampa. I don't love him right away here as a flex, uh, first getting traded in a tougher matchup. But And I definitely like upside, though, if something were to happen to Kamara. But you're right, and he might he might work himself into a flex option himself there, too. I, I like Jameis Winston. I used him in our bold prediction of the week because he's going to be a top 10. Uh, bold it is, but he needs to be a top 10 fantasy QB this week. Uh, the problem with his fantasy stats this year has just been a volume issue. Um, and this week he faces the number one pass penalty. No one even attempts to run against Tampa Bay. And at home this year, Winston's played much better. 8.7 YPA, six touchdowns, zero picks in just two games. So I like the setup here of them forced to pass more than more than they would like. And that's why I also mentioned earlier, Adam Troutman, uh, Tampa Bay's allowed the most receptions to tight ends this year. And opposer, opposing teams just simply throw the ball at a higher rate when facing Tampa Bay. So I like the setup there for New Orleans. And if you're really desperate, the, uh, Callaway as well. I, I love your your Troutman call, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. You know, Troutman was another one, like we're talking about, another Gabriel Davis, Gerald Everett, another one of these, like, summer buzzy players right. that, you know, but then he, when he hurt his foot, I believe, and then Jawan Johnson flashed, and all the beat writers were talking about Johnson, so Troutman's stock was depressed, and he didn't see the field right away, and was working his way back from injury, but... Now we're, you know, in week eight. And last week, we've seen him find more and more targets. Last week, he ran a season-high 22 routes at Seattle. Troutman did. And he's also, one of the things everybody loved about him in his rookie year last year was how efficient he was. Like, yes, the volume wasn't a lot, but he converted everything except one look, I believe, last year. And he's doing that again this year. And the Bucks are the fourth most picked on team over the middle. They've drawn 60 targets to the tight end position, and they've allowed four touchdowns to opposing tight ends. I love the pick. I'm high on him as well. So we are, we are vibing with one another. I will also say on the Tampa Bay side of things, Antonio Brown is expected out for a couple of weeks, and that's per Bruce Arians. He's dealing with an ankle injury, though. Good news, Gronk practiced on Wednesday and Thursday, and it's being reported that he is expected to suit up on Sunday. Couple things. Um, I'm still ranking Evans and Godwin as top 10 receivers without Brown, but it's it's worth at least noting that Lattimore, career-wise, versus Evans, he's basically really shut him down. Um, but obviously, a lot of those did not, that all did not come with Tom Brady throwing him the football. But Gronk back, um, yeah, you start him with confidence in Godwin and Evans, even though this matchup, I don't know, historically, Lattimore has had Evans' number. Tom Brady, a crazy stat I tumble, stumbled upon um, yesterday, leads the NFL with 64 pass attempts in the red zone. No other quarterback in the NFL has even 50. Joe Burrow has attempted 19 throws in the red zone <laughs> this year, and Tom Brady's attempted 64. I mean, they're just playing different games. It's pretty wild. That is wild. Yeah. I, oh, last thing I want to mention is Leonard Fournette has been on a tear. I'm getting a lot of questions about him. And we talked about him in Trick or Treat on Eckler's Edge. You, He's been like a top 10, top five option the past three weeks. But he's also knocked over a bunch of tomato cans. The New Orleans defense, pretty good against the run. I still think Leonard Fournette is like a top 15, maybe a top 18 play at worst. Because, as you mentioned earlier, the position itself is just mucky as all get out. But I just I, I, I'm not quite sure that we should automatically expect this booming performance from Fournette, the kind that we've gotten we've grown accustomed to over the last three weeks. 
I have him as my 10th running back this week, and I was a Ronald Jones guy entering the year. I mean, it's just oh. no denying the volume. I mean, the t- four touchdowns the last three weeks, the targets are there. I mean, he's the goal line guy and the be- one of the best offenses in football. And if those corners do give Evans and Godwin a hard time, I could see Fournette actually being a bigger part of this offense this week. So, I mean, I mean, it's surprising to say, and I have him on zero of my fantasy teams, but even in the tougher matchup, I have Fournette as a borderline top 10 fantasy RB. How appropriate. It's Leonard Fournette that is causing division among us. We've been in lockstep with like Adam Troutman and Gerald Everett and Pat Fryermuth and Gabriel Davis. And yet it is Leonard Fournette where we like do not agree. Fine, I'll take it. I'll agree with you about Adam Troutman forever if it means that I have to not die on the Fournette Hill. Again, <laughs> RB, RB15, RB15, RB16. Um, all right, the Sunday night game, we are finally here. Dallas uh, are one-point favorites at Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. Do you find that a little bit surprising that Dallas is just favorited by a single point? I do. It looks fishy, especially because even if I, if, if you acknowledge it, uh, Minnesota is maybe better than people expect, but wouldn't you expect just the public tax too? Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, I didn't expect the public tax to be just three points. So I'm very surprised about it. And it's, do you think and the it's more because, I read the- Oh, I'm sorry. Do, do you think it's because- Dak Prescott is dealing with this calf injury and that's kind of swaying people. That's exactly where I was going. I oh. didn't think that until the quote today when he's like, it's not up to me to get clearance. Uh Oh, so now I am. Yeah, that, that does make me think that he's not a hundred percent sure to play in this game. Obviously fantasy managers, it's horrible having to wait till Sunday night, but man, this was definitely the highlight of the week. Uh, it's too bad too that, uh, well, it's going to be already happened when this happened, but Devontae Adams out of the good game Thursday night. And now the Sunday night, the primetime games, you know, the injuries, uh, it, it's, it's too bad if they aren't there, but um, hopefully Dak plays the highest over under the week, nearly 55 points would be super fun. A lot of points scored on both sides, fire up all these guys, everyone involved, but yes, it's fishy to me that the line is just one point and I do fear. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong, but it, it's maybe possible that Dak has to sit. Oh, he has spoiled us too. Like, because he returned from injury in such a, from the ankle injury is the one I'm referring to. He returned in such a heroic fashion in the season opener. And we didn't even, we were worried about the shoulder injury over the summer, right? And like, so it doesn't even register, I think. We're so spoiled by his talent and his resolve that I'm like, a calf injury? That shouldn't be a problem, right? And that's just a testament to the player and the focus and the drive and the talent that he has and is. But he's got some hurdles. And he needs to clear them. No pun intended. Um, Michael Gallup, though, if we're looking for some silver lining, it did we did return to practice on Wednesday. And, you know, I, I imagine he'll find his way onto the field, though we don't know, obviously, in what capacity, whether he's eased in, what sort of workload he'd be taking on. Gallup, I think, should be stashed everywhere. I would take a wait-and-see approach, especially with the sure. uncertainty at quarterback. And by the way, in hindsight, it's clear that Dallas had a nice, fortuitous uh, bye week there as Dak would not have been ready. He's so he's, he's just making the best decisions of any QB in the league right now. So there's some danger facing a Minnesota defense that's among the leaders in pass, uh, you know, in pressure rate. But Dak, Dak is just so, so good, man. I hope he's healthy enough to play because he's been playing like an MVP this season. I agree with you. All right, that's it. I think we've run out of games to preview, but if you want to keep chatting with us, you can do so on Twitter. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Stick around here too, because Matt Harmon will be joined by TJ Hernandez for a DFS preview of this week's game on Saturday's episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. And until then, good luck and we are out. 
find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.